We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back. Light Years Podcast, Andy Lou, Samus Fendiari. People heard us like two days ago, right? But we're gonna do. We're gonna run this back. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna start with thanking uh, Joe Shasky, though, more seriously. At, thank uh, you, Butcher Boy, and thank you, ninety five seven, for having us on. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, we can do it again soon. Um, for those of you who didn't listen and want to hear uh, Andy, me, and the Butcher Boy kind of rant and rave about the Warriors on a Friday night, it should be on. Um, our our same channel, however you listen to it, iTunes, Spotify, Art19, whatever. You should be able to find it. should be episode that's been up for a couple days now. Yep, yep. So when we, we kind of talked about pretty much everything that we're going to talk about except for no, kind of no, no. game analysis. So I think yeah. we're, we're, we're going to do more Kings, Rockets, what is actually happening. I don't actually enjoy watching this team play basketball anymore. <laughs> It's not that fun. They don't look like they're having fun. What are we really doing here? What are they really doing? So let's talk about that. You know, Thursday and Saturday were kind of like you got the full range of the Warriors. I, obviously, the loss to the Rockets was um, terrible, particularly the way they gave away that lead. It was kind of all the bad habits, complacency. You know, they started hot, then they stopped trying. The offense was a mess. You know, it was kind of a disease of more situation. You know, KD didn't get the ball. Then he got the ball and started taking every shot. And it was just kind of disjointed. And then Saturday, um, you know, the, the certain Steph Curry guy took over. They ran kind of a better version of their offense, one where Steph's a little more in control. And uh, all's, all's good now. Everything's good. Title, title's back on. <laughs> you know what's interesting is, 
I don't think this is a thing where Kevin Durant is not able to do what Steph Curry does. I mean, he's not able to do all of it because he's not the same offensive player. But it's not like Kevin Durant can't take over a game either. It's just that he can't take over a game when Steph is on the floor, um, when Steph is the better player. It just it, it, That's not going to work. That's what makes it almost very uncomfortable, I think, for everybody involved now that it's three years in. Now that I think everybody kind of knows, in the beginning it was kind of cute, like, "Hey, like you do this, I do this. If we mess up, we'll get better from it." Now it's like, I think they know that, "Hey, we should just run it through Steph. It's going to be easier." And well, they take over in different that, ways. They like that. I don't think KD likes that. I don't they think Draymond likes that. They take over in different ways. Like um, KD's a great passer. He's an all-time great scorer. He, I mean. He's a pretty complete player, but he's not the guy who gets the whole team going the way Steph Curry does. Steph kind of – the ball movement's not there if Steph's not at the center of it. Like, I don't care how many assists Draymond gets. I don't care how many assists KD gets or Jordan Bell or Kayvon Looney or, you know, Boogie when he comes back. Um, not Clay because he's just not getting assists. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's just like – when Steph's at the, the center of the action, running him through ball screens and kind of involved in the game, it, it's infectious. It goes off of his threat. It's it's also – by the way, do you know that KD was averaging the most assists he's had in his career? Yeah. To your, to your passing point. Um, I, I think that's one of the things where KD's like, well, if not, I'm not going to be the top scorer on the team. I'm going to try to do everything else. It's just that he doesn't do that that con- consistently. Um, and then the other piece is you don't see Steph do what he does consistently, and it's not really his fault, right? Because it's not – this is not something that they're going to care to do um, really ever. Have they ever really cared to kind of say, hey, we're going to do everything in our power to get Steph, you know, the first five shots of a game? That That's not what they do. More no, they're best when they're playing with – just playing with the flow of the game, and Steph's best when they play through the flow of the game, and – um, it, it kind of feeds off each other. Um, so I, for me, it's never about shots with Steph. Steph got 27 shots up for Houston. But I think we'd all agree the way he got those shots, um, he, he, he was basically playing the same role Clay does. You know, he's like coming off screens and just shooting. He wasn't actually feeling the ball and getting into the flow of the game. It's just a completely different thing. Steph's at his best when he's handling and kind of really, quote unquote, running the show like a point guard. You know what? You know what's annoying the the turnovers, but it then is. what comes with the turnovers is what he actually does, right? So it's like and it's the cost. Of, that's the cost of doing business. <laughs> exactly, it's like a tax. You know, like for for every for every you know two or three threes that Steph hits, um, that other no other players in the league can hit. He'll throw the ball away, you know, with a left handed cross court pass. Right? And I will like say that. it's it's worse when he's floating in and out of the game, like he's not a consistent flow. I'm not saying he can't have high turnover games regardless, but when his role kind of changes game to game, and this is true of any player in any situation, you know, he's going to make more dumb mistakes than if he's kind of, if they're kind of playing the same way eight to 10 to 12 games in a row. But, but unlike other players, he doesn't, he's okay with kind of that role uh, to, to, for a larger period of time than other players, right? Because he'll go through weeks in this weird stagger rotation and he won't say much until kind of this King's moment when I think he kind of had enough and said, hey, we're just, I'm just going to play the whole fourth quarter, right? 
that doesn't happen. That other players don't necessarily have that happen. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, Kerr basically has been playing a playoff rotation for a little while here. Um, I think every one of the Warriors' core players played 39 minutes, 38 to 40 minutes on um, Saturday. That's something they have not done in Kerr's time in the regular season, you know, maybe once. But it, it's not just this Kings game. It's It's been a bunch of games. They don't have – he's only going eight or nine deep. Um, another, you know – kind of staple of the Kerr thing is getting like 12 guys on the floor. Like honestly, it's kind of an obnoxious amount. Like we really don't need to get the 12th man on the floor all the time. Um, but it's, you know, the, the, the bench is kind of, he's lost trust in it. I, I think he's just kind of playing the wrong players too. It's why is Sean Livingston playing, right? It's fine to kind of go with him and, and in the playoffs, you kind of want to die by him, right? I, I think that's okay. Like you give him the certain amount of minutes, but in the regular season, why not just give all of his minutes to Quinn Cook, right? Why is Quinn Cook only playing like, let's say the first four minutes or so, and then you have Livingston play with Steph. I get that if it's Quinn Cook and Steph, <laughs> nobody's being guarded. I get that, right? But who cares? You're not playing defense anyway. What's Sean Livingston doing? And the McKinney. Not McKinney's playing, playing under 10 minutes. And I don't think, you know, you or I think McKinney's going to be some 20-minute-per-game playoff guy. But he can give you more minutes in the, in the regular season. Um, he's a competent 3 and D wing. Well, 3 wing. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Well, the, the thing with that is also there comes a certain point where the, he's, Steve is going to have to play Steph and KD and those guys way more in the postseason than ever before. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious they're all going to play 40-plus minutes a game in the playoffs, like especially after the first round, maybe maybe two rounds if they're lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays, I mean, maybe it is going to be the first or second. Like, maybe it's going to be the first round or second round, right? Because with right. the way that they're playing, if they're not able to turn it on the way that they did kind of last season, that's what's going to happen. And I think they'd rather go 40 minutes a game and have it be a short series then strengthen number it and go six six needless games against you know the Sacramento Kings because they wanted to you know give Quinn Cook extended runs. That that that's the thing about that's the thing with the league that's catching up to them and draft picks that don't work out right. It's kind of isn't this supposed to be Jacob Evans' time? Isn't he supposed to be somewhat good? Right? Isn't um, Jordan Bell is supposed to be better than this. Patrick McCall just got cut by the Cavs. What is even going on there? It's kind of all these little things where I, we don't expect those guys to be anything better than role players, but they're not even role players. And then you start to have to play 39 minutes because I get that these games don't matter, but if you lose them, you still lose the games. And Steph and KD and Dre and, and Clay, those guys don't want to lose the games. Steve Kerr doesn't want to lose the games. And, and so, so now he's and stuck playing 30. So they're currently below league average on defense, which has been a problem. And the Kings game, they set a record for threes between two teams. And it's been kind of a trend all year. Like the Warriors have been able to get up 120 points, even with the quote unquote offensive issues we see, you know, and the, the offensive issues are more like stylistic than anything. Um, but they're giving up 115 to 120 every game. Um, and a lot of that is the league catching up. Um, they got up about the same number of threes versus the Kings, but Houston got 17 more threes up than them. On the season, their opponents have taken more threes than they have. Even with Steph, it's been about a wash in terms of three-point attempts. You know, Some of those stats are kind of clouded by the 10 games Steph didn't play. But even with him, it's not like they're out shooting teams. When they um, 
when they uh, got good in 14-15, they, they got up 10 more attempts than their opponents, you know, 8 to 10 more attempts. And obviously having the better shooters, you know, just it's going to work to their advantage, right? You know, you know what's anno- you know what's the other annoying thing though. We've never seen this. We haven't really talked about it. I've never seen this many just dumb defensive mistakes. Turnovers is fine. We've seen twenty turnovers game for the entirety of this dynasty. But yeah, they do love to the flashy pass. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Whatever. Who cares? They're going to drop one twenty every time. That's fine. We'll take the turnovers. But why? Why is it that they can't even rotate correctly now, right? And if they double, why is it that Steph and Clay both double and they leave Justin Jackson wide open three or four separate occasions when he's already made two or three or four threes? Why is it's not that they're like, hey, go ahead and shoot it. We don't care if you make it. It's yeah, they this literally isn't, this are isn't LeBron it up. defense where they're not trying. It's like they're trying and screwing it up. That's um, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just miscommunication, something we haven't seen from this team in a long time. I kind of thought it would get better by now. I understood it when Draymond was out of the lineup, when Steph was mm-hmm. out. And like they, yep. they just didn't run the same team out there five games in a row. But they've had everyone back for, I think, 13 games now, at least yep. a month straight. Um, and it's not getting any better. They're aware yeah. of it. Is is the only the only positive is every player on the team has commented on it. The coaching staff has, so they're they're aware of it. So you you brought up a couple weeks ago um, the offensive version of kind of like, hey, disease of more. I, I think some of that is happening on defense, where it's, hey, I'm gonna take this matchup. I'm gonna do this right. I'm gonna kind of go rogue here and do what I want. Like I've seen I've seen KD yesterday went to double for absolutely no reason, right? And to leave a guy wide, bogged in, wide open in the corner for a three, right? You see Steph do the same thing, right? You see Draymond kind of having to, having to, he slowed down. And so he's not able to guard people one-on-one or, or, or to help at the rim as much as he used to. It's not as consistent and, for sure. And you see all of that and it's, that's not playing defense together because defense is really hard to play together. And on offense, you can kind of always just and we, go and we might have taken roll, it. We might have tough. taken it granted the last few years because they were essentially on a string at all times. Even if you go back to game seven of 2016 where they lost, they didn't lose that because of defense. They, they straight up owned the Cavs. They just couldn't score, you know? They've always had their defense kind of lock and sync when it matters, even if it was last year where they'd kind of only – engage for you know 10 minutes at a time this year you're seeing them try to lock in and just make mistakes um miscommunications and i do kind of think it's related to the offense like uh, a popular thing i've seen from quote-unquote smart people tweeting out you know warrior fans complaining about the offense but their offense is ranked like first or second it's the defense that's a problem i'm like I kind of think it goes hand in hand when you're not feeling good about your teammates and you're frustrated with your teammates over touches, over shots, you're less inclined to be locked into a team scheme. You know, Clay, KD, these guys, they're locking into their matchups, but they're not doing the high level thinking, communicating they need to, to actually have a great defense. (laughs) KD is locking up James Harden. That's what he did. Every time he was on him, it was, it was locked down. And right, then, you can call that time, disease. You can call that disease and more because playing good team defense, oftentimes, is a lot of stuff that no one will ever talk about because you took away the weak side passing angle, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's stuff that they're not doing. That we've it's just rare um, that we see, take it's for not granted like because they've players. always done it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not. Draymond's still here. Iguodala's still here. Right, Steph. 
But then the other part of it, though, is that the other teams are playing offenses differently. Um, they're kind of just attacking staff, attacking whomever, and then chucking up a bunch of threes, like you said. And then the other piece is, I mean, against the Kings, they did allow only 20 points in the fourth. So that kind of margin there, you kind of see that I would expect that to be the case come the playoffs. Like at the end of the day, I think when it does when it's supposed to truly matter, they are going to be able to lock up. So that, and that's the hard thing. I don't know because they're the Kings are actually a perfect example, a young team who plays faster in them. And they just, they looked like the Warriors looked in 2014 going against more veteran teams where it's just like, boom, 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 you know, like where like the, the more veteran team just can't keep up and rotate fast enough. Um, and now the Warriors are the veteran team, you know, like Steph and Katie are 30. Draymond's been banged up. He's getting older. Andre's 35, 36. Like uh, it's, they're getting there. And then, and beyond that, it's just like the, the miles of playoffs every year, um, that they, they look a little, they just don't look faster than their opponents. Right. It, it used to be that six, that faster. And they also don't care as much. You can't. You can't start caring anymore in the third quarter and win. At least not with this iteration of the Warriors. You look at James and Harden. not with some of these young teams who the Warriors don't have like the tactical edge on them. They they may have they have the skill and IQ on the court edge. Like no one's going to say that there's a team who has a collection of smarter, more skilled players than the Warriors. But like this isn't 2014 where the Warriors like had this great scheme that took advantage of spacing and shooting that no one else in the league had. Like now everyone's trying to do that. Yeah, that's, they just don't, the other teams also just try, like I watched that Rockets game and Steph and KD cared, but not the way that Harden did. Like that guy, he won, like that game to him was the Warriors, the entire 73 game regular season. Well, more than it, it, anything, that I think the Warriors cared. I but I don't think they cared to dig in as a team. KD cared, but he wanted to show he was better than Harden. He didn't want to win, you know. Um, whew, whew. I, I mean, he wanted to win, but I'm saying like it was about Love it. it was about going one on one versus Harden instead of getting the W. And because because if you're playing for the W, you know that W might mean you hit the game-winning shot, it also might mean you defer like three times in the last three <laughs> possessions. Instead of – you get what I'm saying, right? You know what's funny about that, man? The Warriors used to be on the other side of that. They used to be right. a team where, I was, <laughs> where Chris Paul was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to outplay Steph or John Wall or, or Right, Russ, where those guys right? like that they see they see red and they're like, oh, I got it. I got to get him. Like the media <laughs> thinks he's better than me. That's all that mattered, right? I, I remember those days and then the Warriors would and come out fun. and they would – and they would smoke them, right? It didn't matter like if you dropped thirty because you're gonna your team's gonna lose. It's kind of different from the war for the Warriors now because it's it's hey Clay, I wanna I wanna be the guy that shows I can drop twenty five points a game, right, and be efficient scoring still, and take a bunch of dribbles and do a bunch of things. And KD, same thing. Steph, I'm, I want to I want to win MVP, so I'm coming out here chucking. It's not all bad things, but it's like that's not that's not the team that was that started becoming as great as it was. So, so want, it's kind of yeah. tough to see. So I want to, I want to make this as clear as possible. I'm not like, I'm not saying they're in some sort of Kobe shack, like irre, irreparable feud, but um, 
I, I and I do think it's natural. Like this is your five of the run for some of the guys. Your three for KD. They've kind of just walked through the league. It's really hard to have that like motivation of climbing the mountain for January games at this point when they know none of it matters before June. Like no one's going to remember them going on a ten game winning streak in January. What they're going to remember is them, you know, losing a series and make fun of them for having all that talent and not being able to win a title. People, uh, people think we've been whining too much, Sam. They think we've been kind of down about the Warriors, which is funny because end of the day, I don't think there's a team that comes close to beating them. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, my position is they're vulnerable, um, but I don't think I, I'm not picking against them. Uh, but I think it's interesting because they're dealing with, and this is why I never bought that they ruined the league argument. Like at a certain point, it's really hard to have that hunger every year. And even if they have more talent than everyone, they don't have so much more talent that they can't be beat. That's always been my thing. You know, like like Draymond's starting to get banged up. Other guys are slowing down in different you know, ways. <laughs> that like it, it, it's. They can still beat anyone. They should still beat anyone. But it's like people people see a collection of names and think like, oh, they're just going to be the 70-win juggernaut for infinity. You know? That's listen, not how it works. Listen, Sam. This is why there are people that tweet from their phones and there are people that run basketball teams. Right? right. There's a difference between those two people. One, they, they give up. They don't care. They whine. Right? They kind of like, hey, just do this, do that. Like they don't do shit. All they do is sit around, do nothing. The other people is the one that are running the Dallas Mavericks, are running the, I was going to say Rockets. Phoenix Suns, but not Phoenix Suns, right? Houston Rockets. Yeah, why you, you literally pick like the one team that's not competitive in the West. <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought of that. I, I, I got Luka on my mind. But like Milwaukee Bucks, right? All these teams that, even the Sixers who traded for Jimmy Butler, and you've got a whole Western Conference, like even the Kings, right, are decent now. And they, they, and they're, they're they didn't give up. They're showing signs that they're like moving in the right direction. Yeah. What like they haven't given up? They they have might have said like, oh, this sucks. Like the Warriors are gonna win for a while, but they didn't like throw in the towel. They weren't like, oh my god, the Warriors are the greatest team ever. We're not gonna do anything about it. Like they decided to actually go back at the Warriors, and now the Warriors are kind of struggling. Um, and, and that's kind of the difference I, I think yeah. between so, I mean, what people that don't do anything think about the Warriors and what you know these guys are paid to compete, right? They're nobody's and, nobody's and by scared. the way, it's more interesting this way. Like I, for a, for a Warriors fan, they're vulnerable. They have some vulnerabilities, but you should still be confident in them. But now it's, now it's kind of interesting. Now you kind of have to consider everything. Now, every game, you don't know what you're going to get, you know? So, um, I know every Warriors fan kind of wants to chase the 73 win season because it was basically the most fun season you could ever have. Like it'll just (laughs) never be repeated, but but now it's um, now it's intriguing in a different way because you have kind of players who are bored, maybe wanting more, maybe looking at different things. Players who are tired, you know, maybe a step <laughs> slower. Um, and, and and it's just a, it's it's a new interesting thing for Warriors fans. You should Sa- embrace it. Sa- Sam, I'm, uh, uh, per sources, you know that first 73, 73 win season. That's like the first time doing Molly. You know, you're you're really never gonna reach that high again. But there's different ways to have fun. You don't just have to do that every single time, right? So it, it's not every title has to be as great as the first or second or third. They're all unique in their own ways. And it's not like me and you are experiencing the titles. We're not right. playing or anything like that. But for the players themselves, 
I'm sure KD, Steph, Dre, like they're all going to come back and they're going to say that first title, like I may have been happiest, but like that fourth title, my, like we went through the most. Like we've actually, we were actually pushed to seven yeah, games I mean, twice or whatever it is, right? There's a, there's a famous uh, or Jordan quote, like what's your favorite title? He's like, they're all special for a different reason. It's like, cause the journey is uniquely different for each one. And people take that as kind of, you know, whatever bro you know <laughs> you know i don't really think it that seriously but like when you start looking at it on a day-to-day basis it gets it gets a little murky each each year's each year's a little different you know this year we come back and a certain player thinks he's going to do something different um so it, it it's interesting and um yeah i, I don't know i don't know how else to put it other than you know they they've just kind of entered another phase of it and this is like this is how you reach immortality this is how like this is why guys with 5 6 yeah. rings are revered yeah. because yeah. being able to do it on repeat and get to the mountaintop not easy guys yep. it doesn't matter how much talent's on your team i mean it does but it you know it, you come across different problems every year. You know, there's a reason the Miami heat only won two titles in four years and LeBron ran away. You know, it's like, there's just different. It's, it's not always it's you go through different things. It's not just about, you know, shooting percentage and running pick and roll. The the warriors, they're not playing for what they're going to feel in July. Like, they win the title in June, and they win three in a row. They're not playing for, oh, you know what? I feel great. Next July is going to be awesome. They're playing for how they're going to feel 20 years from now. When they're sitting on inside the NBA or they're doing open court, whatever the hell is those TV shows that are, that happen. They're playing for those moments where you kind of sit back, and Steph and KD and these guys are just going to sit back and say, you know what? We won three, four in a row. We won five total titles. Like, this, this is why, like, we... This is why we played together. This is why we formed that team, and, right? This is why it was worth it. And that's kind of what KD said on the Haynes podcast. People took his, like, statue comment to mean he's staying. I kind of took it as, like, you know, it was noncommittal. It was just kind of like in the end of the day, in 10, 15 years, people are going to look back at this era as, you know, the golden age of the Warrior basketball. There's nothing in there that said he's staying another five years, you know? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But, you know, that point stands alone regardless. That's we always got to talk about KD, but that's a great point though. He thinks about that. He thinks about that a lot, but he also like construes that with how he should feel in the moment, and that's where the decision is so tough for KD, right? Because if it's in the moment, it almost feels like, all right, well, then what are you doing here, right? But if he kind of takes a long view and he looks back at it twenty years from now, why don't you want to win five titles in Golden State, right? So it, it feels like the forever struggle for him when he's kind of thinking of what he has to do or what he's going to do next year. Yeah, because it's the uncertainty of knowing if people will ever give you the credit you deserve when you and I can take a a longer view at it because we're not invested because it's not our lives. It's his life. Um, and say, dude, if you win five, you're going to get a ton of yeah. praise because I guarantee you – it's not all going to be as easy as the first one. It's probably not even going to be the same team, all of them, you know, like, and, and that's what kind of will end up defining you. Uh, but, but he doesn't see it that way. He just sees right now people don't necessarily yep. view him with the reverence that he thinks his game deserves and quite frankly, rightly deserves. Um, but I wanted to get into a KD quote after the Kings game. He had an interesting quote and I'm going to pull up the exact thing. So there's a question 
uh, regarding the fact that they made 41 threes combined between both teams, which is an NFL re- or sorry, an NBA record. Um, and he said, Steph Slander coming. It was kind of about the NBA trending towards taking so many threes, which is a thing. And it's been kind of something everyone talks about. I don't see this lasting too much longer. Just the volume of threes, the way the game is played, the pickup style. It'll cease here in a second. Kind of interesting because Clay, on the other hand, is like, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and they both basically gave their interviews at the same time, like on different sides of the locker room or something. Like there's no like, I heard what he said. It was just kind of coincidental that they had completely different perspectives. Um, what was your view on that? <laughs> Katie is passive aggressive as hell, man. I think he he's not at the forefront. He's of taking it. passive aggressive Uber rides. <laughs> I, now, now this thing—I I, don't—I don't think this is a shot at any of the Warriors. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um, I, I think for him, it's he wants credit for something, right? And if Steph is going to have all, like, you look back five, ten years from now, he's going to get all the credit for this three-point revolution. All these teams are now and rightfully, rightfully, but. Kate, where does KD fit into that? And I think that that matters to him, which is literally, we just talked about that 30 seconds ago, so it was a great segue. But he doesn't fit into that, right? He doesn't fit. And, and while he's right, because in, the, in those games, Game 7 at home against Cleveland, you need a big shot like Kyrie, right? You know, shooting weird, like mid-range, one-headed floaters. Like those the type of shots that you KD want on can a, make. On a, on a step back, th- like a Steph shot. So <laughs> it, it, Exactly, right? But I think... But I think for KD, I think to him, it's like in those moments, it's not about that three to him. Um, that is funny that Kyrie hit a step back going to us right for that, right? But you kind of think of Kobe, right? You kind of think of MJ, um, those type of guys where they're operating closer to the rim um, and they're making those tough isolation shots. And I think that's that's where he wants that credit. He doesn't like that. Um, and has, I don't think it's Steph. I don't think it's not liking Steph. I just don't think he likes where people are just – like, Justin Jackson made eight threes last night. Don't tell me that made KD happy, right? Like, he dropped 28 or whatever. And KD's probably looking at it like, dude, the guy can barely dribble. The guy can't, like, he's second year in the league. He can barely move. And he has 28 points. Like, come on. Like, that's a little, I guess, quote, unquote, gimmicky, right? And that's where it's, he's kind of right because when it comes to the playoffs, guys like Justin Jackson, guys like Daniel House, these guys aren't going to matter right especially in the bigger moments and so So i that's how i kind of take it so we had this discussion um off off mic uh a a day ago a lot of players view kd is one of them they don't view best player through the context of stats or real plus minus or you know um per rpm whatever it is they view it through the context of most complete player in other words, throw any situation at them, they'll be able to handle it. And from that perspective, KD and LeBron are the two most complete players in the NBA. Le- KD is obviously a better shooter, but LeBron's got some power to get to his spots in a way that like no one can really deny. Um, and, you know, it goes back farther. Kobe, many would say, was the most complete player for his era. Um, MJ, kind of same versatility. It's kind of the way we've viewed basketball for the last 25, 30 years. Um, and then you got this, you know, six foot two point guard who can't dunk really, who's just shooting threes and kind of turned the three into his weapon. You know, I mean, Steph can score from anywhere, but the fact that he can pull up from 
30 is what opens up his entire game. Um, and I think that's part of it. It's like, in you know, KD's like here in any other era, people would be talking about how I'm like the greatest, one of the greatest of all times. And in this era, all anyone cares about is three-pointers. And that's a little bit of a shot to your pride, particularly since like, I mean, and the funny thing is KD's a really good three-point shooter. Yep. <laughs> but it's like, uh, it's it's just a different way of classifying the sport. But, I mean, it's, I think you and I come from the same perspective. I don't really care. It's about who who wins the most games. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the difference between the now, what he sees as the now, and then what he's going to see in 20 years. But, hey, I mean, he's not wrong. Here's the other piece that's interesting, right? You think Steve Kerr agrees with him? Steve um... – He's expanded on that quote where he said, you know, Katie's one of the two best players in the world. Like, what, you remember he said that after the right. first title with Katie? Right. He's expanded. He basically said, like, Steph's phenomenal, one of the most skilled players of all time, but their reality is to his size. And, you know, with Katie, we can do things like, you know, he can protect the rim. He can he, he can do stuff because of his physical profile that Steph can't. And, and all of that was valid. Um, th- and that's the thing about rating players. There's there's no, you know, formula, you know, it's like, it's not a math exam where it's like, okay, well, Andy scored a hundred again. So he's in first, you know, something like that. Right. I, I, but here's, here's the thing. I think that philosophy wise, I think people probably know this already, um, that Steve is more inclined to, to be on the same side as KD is to say, Hey, if we had a choice here, right. We'd run this, you know, this, this offense that, you know, it's kind of archaic nowadays. Like, if that was a choice, Kerr would do that. And I, and I think that he probably wanted to until, you know, Steph and Clay became who they were. They were already good. They just weren't that great yet. And I guess Kerr kind of unlocked them. Maybe he knowingly did it. Maybe he accidentally did it. But I don't think he ever saw that. I mean, if me and you went I up think, and we said, you yeah. should shoot 25 threes a game. I don't think that that's Kerr's thing. No, right? Kerr, would, Kerr would think that's insane. Like, And you saw it in the first year. The first year... Kerr was here. Steph took seven and a half threes, which was a ton, and maybe even more than yeah. Kerr wanted him to take. Kerr yeah. understood the value of his spacing and shooting, but I don't think Kerr understood how far you could push it. Because I don't think anyone did, aside from, um, no, I really don't think anyone did. Like, you know, except for people who are just kind of, you know, predisposed yeah. Yeah. to try to push the limits on everything. Yeah. No, you're right, and, and there's still no limit now. Harden just shot like 23 threes the other day, right? D'Antoni was cackling afterwards. That was hilarious. <laughs> and Steph's a better shooter than Harden. There's no doubt about that. Steph's the greatest shooter of all time. So what is to stop Steph from shooting 20 to 25 threes a game? Haberstroh wrote a piece, or, or he did a video piece on him shooting 15 threes, right? That's too little. Why is, why is he not shooting 20? I mean, like, he what? shot 20 against the Kings. Look what happened. <laughs> Ex- and so that's kind of where where – yeah, Mike D'Antoni and, wouldn't stop it, but Kerr would. And this is the fundamental difference between D'Antoni and Kerr. D'Antoni sees it as like, the math says this. This Next is the most efficient now. shot. Let's just keep going, and it's going to work out in our favor. Kerr looks at it from a series standpoint, which is, you're going to get tired. You're going to start knowing each other's tendencies, and it's about just kind of making better basketball plays to win the best of seven. Um, it's no surprise that like when you get deeper in the series, mid range shots seem to be more valuable 
because teams know where you're getting your threes from. They're denying the rim. And it comes down to, you know, who can make who can make the shots the defense is comfortable giving up. Right. He's kind of right though. I mean, yeah, he's kind of he right is. though, right? Like Kerr kind of won that, didn't he? Like he he, he oh for twenty seven. Chris Paul gets hurt. And, and they will the say Warriors... that's random. They'll say any other day we play exactly. that game. Exactly. We go five for twenty seven, which is still awful, and we win the series. They they do right yeah if because that's fifteen points right there <laughs> exactly exactly and and for Kerr and for the Warriors that's that's the philosophy it's hey you're gonna wear down and maybe we don't need you to go over twenty seven every time but that's kind of what happened and I I get that too right because that's that's kind of like the analytics versus like oh there's no such thing as hot hand right which which is kind of like if you've ever made like <laughs> you know nobody here is Kobe but if you've ever made like you know five six shots in a row. It just things just kind of come easier. Things slow down. The game slow down, right? But if you're looking at numbers, if you're looking at the way that the Rockets seem to do it, that's not a thing. That's that's not a real thing. And I think that's the Warriors are really good at just always. So it's it's almost the like human aspect rather it's, than it's the data. It's data versus psychology in many ways. And the the best teams kind of blend the two, like the Warriors for all exactly. their charisms. Yep. I mean, they, they, if Kerr had that big a problem, he'd harness Steph. He wouldn't have Steph shooting all these shots. Like, part of it is running Steph off ball is it's easier to get him threes that way, right? I think you and I both agree running him off ball, it's not about, you know, the three-point volume. It's about, like, his overall impact on the team is a little diminished when he's off ball. Like, he was off ball against Houston and got 15 threes up. But was he as impactful as he is when he's running pick and roll and kind of at the center of the action? Yeah. I mean, there just needs to be a better blend to kind of clue it all back to that, right? Because for me, as I, as I always say, just stop the off-ball bullshit when it's the fourth quarter. It's that simple. When it's when it's winning time, just you're going to have Steph and KD on. You're not going to have role players on anymore. Put the ball in their hands, right? Like, I'm I'm okay with a you know Kevin Durant post up ten footer and just a fadeaway jumper. That's fine. It's better than you know Andre Iguodala kind of dribbling it at the top of the key and and kind of praying that Steph comes open right against a locked in defense right like that that's kind of the difference there. And when you say blend right, that's the blend that I think that they've never figured out because they they I mean, figured they, it out. Probably never. They probably never will figure it. Nah, they, For in, they never figured out in in a. Um large setting like in a um like in a prolonged period they figured it out for like five few games at a time they did do it against the Cavs um a few times in the finals i guess that houston series was frustrating you know like that 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 series was very it was very weird and it was one of those things where it just it that's how they won right it's like the their philosophy won but if they had just done it these ways that they know it's going to work this thing wouldn't have gone seven right like if they had just done everything that they usually do just when in doubt run Stephen Draymond run Stephen KD and, and see what happens there but I mean we're, we're, we've talked about that a million times Sam so so let's get <laughs> let's get one last topic and get out of here yeah um so Steph and KD are locks to make the all-star team and I think Draymond is a lock to not make the all-star team this year. Combo of injuries and just such a poor, like, first 40 games. He's actually been pretty good recently. And um, You, you think know, so? Uh, he's, been, he's been better. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he's not making it. 
We, we, right. we can do a whole podcast on where we think Draymond's game is. <laughs> we'll do that next week. <laughs> um, but Clay is the interesting one. You think Clay makes it? So let me let me walk you through this first. So at, yeah, the, guard, at the guard yeah. position, these are lo- Steph, Harden, Russ, and Dame are locks. After that, there's no lock. There could be one more guard, or there could be two more guards. Um, but let's assume there's just one. Is Clay getting that spot? Who are the other names there? Who would be like? Who would be like? De'Aaron Fox. Names? No. Mike Conley. No. Drew Holiday. Uh, um, yeah, but the Pelicans suck, so no. Clay Thompson. That might be it. Yeah, wow. I mean, you throw the, the, the West Guard. That... I mean, I guess you can throw Chris Paul in there, but he's missed. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be back anytime soon. Wow. I mean, Clay, C- CJ, CJ McCollum's not making it. You know, like, I'm trying, we can start going down second tier guards. Like, Jimmy Butler got traded to the East, so he won't make it in the West, obviously. <laughs> um, huh. um, oh, DeMar, no. DeMar DeRozan would be the other one. I was going to say no. I was actually going to say, hey, no way Clay's going to make it, you know, but I think he makes it on reputation then. If that's the case, he's going to get. I think it's between him and DeRozan on reputation. Yeah, and and I and I think that it's not like DeRozan's had a great season, so he's, he's pretty, had he's his struggles. Um, like last season, he was really good. I remember that. I um, think he's averaging career high in assists this year. He's up at six a game. Although anyone uh, could get six in the NBA now, except for Steph. <laughs> six point four. Uh, I think. I think. Well, I think Clay gets in. I think that's someone where. He just gets in by name, right? Like, because here's my thing with Clay: every time he drops thirty in a game, there's always like a there's always people, um, and not just Twitter people. This is people overall where there's like, you know, if you put Clay on a on a team and he's the number one option, he could probably average twenty five. And I've always said no. And if he does, it's going to be on like twenty five shots, right? To me, he's always going to be inefficient if he's going to be the number one option. And but I think that type of reputation, those type of people that believe that, that's probably why he's going to get in. Like coaches, right? Coaches love Clay. So cons- love Clay. Consider DeRozan. The Spurs are the sixth seed right now, and they're kind of trending upward. They're playing uh, well. I mean, they're still as boring as ever, but he is their best player. And, you know, who knows? They could end up the four or five seed by the time voting is done. And he's another player coaches think higher of than the general fan base. Like, we know Twitter doesn't like him. Um, most fans just kind of see him as the guy who's kind of, you know, regular season fodder, but then will just fall apart against LeBron. It's true. I mean, it is true. <laughs> but um, uh, he's another player whose reputation uh, around the league is probably better than it is with fans, kind of like Clay. Yeah, I just, at the end of the day, they probably take the guy that has the championship. He's on the championship team, right? Because you would think the Warriors are going to be the one, and two, one or two seed there. Um and, and maybe another, Clay gets the benefit of the doubt. Here's another name. Is Luka Doncic a guard? Oh, boy. I mean, he's I – don't, I don't really know if he's considered a guard or a forward. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of just a playmaker. He's what they call combo guard or whatever, right? It's kind of – just kind of what they wing. say. He's kind of a wing playmaker. But um, – like, like KD could be a guard, you know? Yeah, I mean, LeBron could be a guard. <laughs> That's um, true. LeBron is a guard, essentially. Would you if, if I said it's between Doncic and Clay who gets yeah, in? I mean, come on. 
There's no way that, that well. So would it be fan vote or would it be like coaches? Right? Isn't it coaches? It's coaches yeah. Yeah. Then there, there's no way. No, there's no way. No the way the rookie is getting in. The 19. no way the rookie's doing it. You know, like no way a rook, the coaches are picking a rook over um, over Clay. Now Demar and Clay. You know, that's that that's interesting. But I think um, you so know, you, there's there's no like there's no like Warriors hate. You know, there. So there's not. It's not like it's going to be. Oh, we're not going to pick Clay. It it is interesting about this though. I, I'm curious about your thoughts on this because. It's always, you know, the Warriors have four Hall of Famers, you know, five Hall of Famers, uh, four All-Stars, whatever it is. When – so is there going to be revisionist history that come down the line and just say, you know, like Draymond's kind of washed now and Clay's really not as great of a score as he thought they were going to be. Like, are the Warriors – were they that talented? I, I say that laughing, um, but – I mean, I just look at it this way. The Showtime Lakers had Kareem and Magic, two people most people call top five all time, and James Worthy, who's a Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> they obviously were at different points in their career, but Kareem was still a perennial all-star and a great player for the duration of that run. Like the last final that they won, um, he wasn't on it. Um, and it was, you know, that, that was mad. Magic was in his prime. Kareem was, you know, old man. But I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I, I think people will view him in the same light that they view Dennis Rodman, which is a comp that Kerr loves to make. But, like, certain guys who are kind of iconic, um, but people don't think of them as stars. They're just kind of iconic players. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting because I've always thought of it as um... – you you know how I think Ethan was was um, was on it first, but it was always noticeable from the beginning. The Warriors are known for shooting. Um, they have the Splash Brothers, and it started with Steph and Clay, but they never really had enough shooting, right? Beyond those two guys, there was really nothing it, there. So then, I it kind was of those two and goons. It, it it always always was, and you look at Steph and KD, and you look at those two guys, and you're like, hey, those guys may end up like top ten players of all time. But beyond those two guys, is like Draymond and Clay really going to be that high up there in terms of top players of all time? Not, I would say no. And so it's really, quote unquote, only those two guys. But it's that's my thing. Like I think people think that this team is a, a lot more talented today than it than they believe that. I mean, than they are actually. Um, and a lot of that is is probably Draymond though. So more so than Clay, but. Like you said, that's that may be time for another hour-long pot next week on Draymond. All right, so this week we got the Knicks and the Bulls, so it's not, you know. Oh, God. Theoretically, the Warriors will pick up two more Ws. Um, and, then, and then we'll get ready for the MLK rematch versus the Lakers, who may have LeBron James, may have a new coach, who knows. <laughs> may, have, may have Bradley Beal, I don't know. That's perfect. That's perfect, man. Let's that's how, that's how we get out here. All right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.